What's up? What's up? Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Got the J.D. Griffin seal of approval on this shirt this morning. Was assured that it wasn't going to mess up our, uh, you know, our online viewership too badly. But hey, good morning. Isn't it good to be together? Who's thankful to be at church today? Be with the people of God and the house of God. It is so good to be together. And um, uh, as the announcement said, my name is Chris. Uh, my family and I, we just moved here. Coming up on six months ago, believe it or not, April 2nd will be six months since we moved here uh, to be a part of this incredible team here in Austin, to be a part of what God's doing in the city. You guys know that God is on the move in Austin, Texas. He is. And uh, we're, we're up north, and um, the north campus, even though we're not currently gathering on a Sunday, how, do you, how many of you guys know that doesn't actually keep the kingdom of God from moving forward? And so I just want to take a minute to shout out our amazing North Campus Life Group leaders, y'all. We have about six or seven life groups up in North Austin that are holding it down, that are going strong, many of them in person, some of them virtually. Uh, just want to shout out to you guys. Um, it is really powerful. Even just this past week, some incredible testimonies of the way that God is moving through these house church, we call them life groups, through these life group communities. And um, I want to shout out, there's this young adult life group in Mueller that is just rocking right now, okay? So I want to shout out to Baylor, uh, Stephen, Blake, John, Becca, and Kelsey. These guys are um, throwing it down every Tuesday night. Guys, God is moving, okay? They're packing their house with well, maybe I shouldn't say this online, but they're doing, okay? They're packing their house every Tuesday night, 30, 30, 40 people, and God is moving. People are visiting every week. Heard an incredible testimony of just the way they're reaching out just in, in the middle of normal life, and people are, are being pulled into the kingdom of God, um, and, and that is what the local church is all about, whether it's here on Sunday morning or in our houses and life groups. So uh, shout out to the North um, and bringing a message from the north this morning, I'm excited to get to, to, uh, to preach today. Uh, J.D. did an incredible job last weekend um, highlighting the, the, well, first of all, can we just be thankful for J.D. Griffin for a second? I'm serious. I'm serious, y'all. Uh, like, week in and week out for months, this guy has been slugging it out to get with God, hear what our body needs during these days, and to bring us fresh powerful, anointed, just dripping with wisdom and revelation messages. And I'm not just buttering him up because he's my new boss, y'all, but I, I hope you got, no, seriously, he's worthy to be honored for what he has laid down for this family. And he probably wouldn't say this, but it is costly for him and his family to lead this community. And they have been under um, some unique opposition in this season, we're going to get into that here in a second, but can we just take a minute, and actually, J.D., will you stand up real quick? Just real quick. Y'all extend a hand. What we're going to do, the prayers of the saints are powerful and effective, amen? And so we're just going to cover J.D. and his family in the blood of Jesus and in the favor of God, which scripture says is a shield, okay? So extend your hand over J.D. and the Griffin family like you're just extending the shield of faith, uh, Ephesians calls it, the shield of faith that 
that extinguishes every fiery dart of the enemy. So, Father, we just bless J.D. and Liz. We pray over Liz, even if she's at home right now. We pray over their family. We extend the shield of faith over them in Jesus' mighty name as a covering of protection in this season as they lead this house. We pray, God, that every scheme and every place of opposition of the enemy against their family would burn out and the shield of faith be extinguished in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, J.D., we love you, man. Thank you so much for all that you do to carry and lead this house. Um, Did an amazing job last week in highlighting this truth that we are all currently living in a war zone. All right? There is a battle that is raging daily, and there's these opposing forces that are all fighting to occupy this incredibly small but incredibly powerful four inches of real estate right here between your ears <laughs> called your mind. Okay? And um, we're not, you know, we're not being overly dramatic here. The, the scripture uses this language. Ephesians 6, 12 says this. Our battle is not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what I, I want to tell you this morning is that, you know, the nature of salvation and the gospel and the faith that we carry in this house in Jesus, Bible says that when we turn and we place our hope and faith in Jesus, that he literally pulls us out of a kingdom of darkness and he transfers us, he relocates us into the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of light. Okay, And so you might be a little surprised when you get saved or when you find yourself pulled into the kingdom of light that you find yourself in the middle of a spiritual conflict because we are in a spiritual battle against, I mean, this language is pretty intense, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, so this is real. So, so take heart, be encouraged, all right? If it feels like life is a battle it's because it is, all right? If it feels like you're caught in a crossfire between good and evil, between a struggle, between heaven and hell, forces of light and forces of darkness, it's because you are. It's because we are. There is a battle raging. We're not being overly dramatic when we use this kind of language, guys. The Bible actually uses this language a lot, all right? And so, um, but why the mind why is this conflict aimed at this small piece of real estate between our ears called our minds? And J.D. said so beautifully last week, our life will move in the direction of our loudest thoughts. Romans 12.2 exhorts us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So as I read it, church, there's really just two options for us, Okay. Conformity to the, that, that world word, do not be conformed to this world. There's a little alternate translation in my margin that, translate that, so that translates that word age. Okay, so it just kind of opens up the understanding for me a little bit. Do not be conformed to the age that we live in. So the way I read it, there's two options for us. Conformity to the age that we live in or transformation into the kingdom that he lives in. Amen. Those are the options. And this transformation, it says, is by the renewal of our minds. So why would we be surprised that the battle rages here, right? Yeah, that's a good word. 
If the renewal of our minds is the doorway to life transformation, let us not be surprised that the battle rages on the doorstep of our thinking. The truth is, our minds are like an airport. I feel like the Lord gave me this picture this week. Somebody has probably used this before, but to my knowledge, I'm not ripping anybody off. But your mind's like an airport, all right? Envision an airport from a bird's eye view, just dozens of runways, right? Your mind's like an airport with all these runways, and you are actually in the control tower. You guys know what I'm talking about? In the middle of the airport, you are actually the air traffic controller. That's your job. And dozens of, of pilots or thoughts are radioing into your control tower daily requesting permission to land, okay? And the thoughts that you allow to land in your, in your airfield will determine the culture that is established in your brain. You see what I'm saying? But make no mistake, you are the air traffic controller. This is a powerful word for some of us this morning because some of us feel victimized by our thoughts, okay? And there's going to be some freedom and breakthrough for us today where we realize that it's time to, for us to take back control. That's why God's given us a spirit of self-control. We actually get to choose what we think about. We actually get to choose what we allow to land on the airstrip of our minds, amen? You were meant to be the air traffic controller. Now the trick is that these pilots or these thoughts can come at us so quickly, so unexpectedly, oftentimes several at a time radioing us in and it can get a little bit overwhelming. Can I get an amen? amen. To manage our thoughts. But if we develop some filters, right? If we develop a few filters to help us make some decisions on what to land and what gets, as J.D. last week took us into, what gets taken captive and tossed and what's, what we allow to land, if we can develop some discernment, some filters of discernment, I believe that we will be further equipped to really fight this battle for the renewal of our minds. Are you with me? So this morning, as we continue this series, we are going after um, what I hope is going to be this filter for us, and which is this very powerful and very important question of what does God sound like? Because here's the deal. If we can develop a healthy, biblical understanding of who God is, I'm talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, the Trinity, who he is, what he's like, and what he sounds like, it will be actually a lot easier for us as we're sitting in the air traffic control room, are you with me, to say, oh wait, that doesn't sound like my Father, that doesn't sound like Jesus, that doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to let that land today. You know what I'm saying? So what does God sound like? So we got to lay a foundation here. I want you to flip to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite passages. It says here, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So here's where we got to start, guys, because this is Christianity 101 right here. Christianity 101. God has spoken. Okay, okay. 
Let's try that again, okay? Because this is actually really huge and really exciting that God hasn't stayed silent for the last few thousand years, but has been pursuing us, initiating us, and speaking. So Christianity 101, church, is that God has spoken. Can I get an amen this morning? Seriously. God has spoken. Actually, can we get that verse back up there for a minute? At many times and in many ways, God has been speaking a lot, all right? And now sometimes we pick up our Bible and we kind of get a little overwhelmed, but man, what if we picked it up and got thankful? Like, wow, God has like spoken a lot. And, but what's cool about this passage is that in these last days, his like crowning sermon, his crowning message to humanity that he has been calling out to, speaking out to, for thousands of years, his crowning message was his son. He spoke by in becoming flesh and blood incarnate, sending his son Jesus to walk on the earth and to be the image of the invisible God right in front of us. Later on in the next verse, it would say that he was the exact representation of the nature of God, Jesus Christ a man walking on the earth carrying the radiance of God's glory in flesh and blood, the crowning sermon of God to humanity, his son. So Christianity 101, God has spoken. I want you to flip now to John 16. We're going to keep building this little foundation that we're going to start on here. John 16, um, verse 12, we're going to be in. I'm going to tell you what Christianity 102 is. Let's read this real quick. He says um, in John 16, a little bit of context. Um, there's 15 chapters of John where Jesus has been with them, incarnate God, flesh and blood, speaking. Okay? And he has been speaking for about three years. He said a lot. There's a lot in the first 15 chapters of John. In John 16, he's He's actually been foretelling his disciples, his pupils, his, the, the, the men that were following him, that he was about to leave, that he was going to be crucified, resurrected. He actually told them this was going to happen three different times we, we have in the scriptures. And so in John 16, he's actually preparing them for the fact that he's about to leave. These guys had lived with Jesus in flesh. They had lived with the crowning sermon of God's revelation in flesh and blood for three years, and he was about to leave. And they were not ready for that. And so he's getting them ready. He's saying, look, and here, let's pick it up in John 16, 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you. This is really cool here for a second. We've got 15 chapters of stuff that Jesus said to them while he walked with them on the earth for three years. And then he says, hey, there's more. But I, he says, I got a lot more that I want to say to you. But listen, you are not ready for it. You cannot bear them now. But I am sending the Holy Spirit. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Check this out. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. I love this right here. For he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Cool? So check it out. We've got the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father 
kicks it off while he's speaking for a few thousand years, right? Coming after humanity, right? But then the crowning message was he sends the son and Jesus comes, flesh and blood, 33 years or so, give and take, and he's speaking. And then Jesus leaves and makes way to send the Holy Spirit. Are you seeing the sending nature of God? The father sends the son, the son sends the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was gonna continue speaking. So Christianity 102 is church, God is still speaking. If we don't believe that God has spoken and that God is still speaking, the question of what does he sound like doesn't really make much sense. And so we've got to start there this morning by coming together and seeing, guys, God has spoken. He is still speaking and learning what he sounds like, learning who he is. This is the journey that we are all on. Amen. We are all on that journey. The renewal of our minds takes place as his voice, his word, his truth begins to occupy more space in our minds than, if I'm telling my testimony, the foolish thinking of the first half of my life. See, I'm at this unique point in my life, I'm 38 years old, and I have lived exactly the first half of my life not knowing Jesus with very little influence of his voice and his word on my life. And, and uh, how many guys know that maybe that's your story? Maybe, that, maybe for, it was longer than 19 years, I don't know. But 19 years of not having the voice of God influence your mind. Man, by the time I was a freshman in college at Texas A&M, and joined a fraternity, I mean, I had all kinds of sinful, selfish thought patterns. I had been conformed to the age that I was living in. My life, the first 19 years of my life, it got conformed to an age that was saying, life is all about you. It's all about your pleasure. It's all about your popularity. It's all about your success. It got conformed to an age of lust and immorality. By the time I was 19 years old, I had been conformed to this age. And I go to Texas A&M, I end up pledging this fraternity because that's just who I was after 19 years of zero voice of God, very, very little voice of God influence over my life. And I joined this fraternity, I mean, pitchers of beer, you know, the whole bid day crazy deal. And the two nights later, I'm sitting in my dorm room, miserable. How many of you guys know, and you've been there before, that the pattern of this world is misery? It might promise you a party on the front end, okay? But it's always going to leave you miserable. The pattern of this age is empty. And I'm sitting in my dorm room two nights after joining this fraternity and just kind of going, man, there's got to be more to life than this. And in the silence of my own thoughts in my dorm room, didn't hear an audible voice booming from the heavens, but I heard a still small voice say, there is more to life, but you have to seek me to find me. I woke up the next morning, heard a similar, again, not an audible voice. It just sounded like my own thinking, okay? But look, at 19 years old and living in the party scene for years and years and years, my own thinking wasn't waking up in the morning saying, find a Bible and read it. But that's what I heard the next morning. And so I'm learning, okay, I should probably pay attention to this voice. I don't think it's me. And I found a Bible for the next three days. I started to read John. 
I started to read. I said, God, I must seek it to find it. And what I saw and heard in Jesus in just three days, by the end of that week, I dropped out of my fraternity. I walked away from my, all of my friends. And I, for the last 19 years of my life, I have been following after Jesus to the best of my ability with his help. And it has been a journey, a 19-year journey now on the other side of renewing all of these thought patterns and renewing all the ways of my thinking. Are you with me, church? And it is a journey that all of us are on. But if we can learn what he sounds like, we will avoid some major pitfalls in our journey to have our minds renewed. Are you with me, church? So three things this morning. What does God sound like? Number one, I need you to grab the side of your chair and just get ready for like a total revelation bomb, okay? This is just profound. This is probably gonna shake you out of your chair. This is so huge. Just get ready, okay? Number one, what does God sound like? He sounds like Jesus, okay? So listen, shocking, yeah, all right? But maybe we haven't said it quite like this in a while, all right? But the reason that you're at a Christian Bible-believing church is because we believe that Jesus is God, okay? Let's just put it out there, all right? And it's getting more and more radical these days to say that, okay? We believe that Jesus is God. And so what does God sound like? He sounds like Jesus. I feel like we've, we've pretty well covered that. And so, look, how do I know what Jesus sounds like? Well, there's a lot of red letters. Any of you guys have a red letter Bible? The red letter Bible is where in the New Testament the words of Jesus are in red. Okay, so like, man, what does God sound like? Well, he, he sounds like Jesus. How do I know what Jesus sounds like? Well, get into the red letters, man. Get to know his voice. Fall in love with the New Testament, with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get familiar with the red letters. Somebody on our team shared this week uh, this quote, this Bill Johnson quote that I love it. He said, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, read the scriptures out loud. <laughs> I love that. So like, okay, if you want to know what God sounds like, he sounds like Jesus. He was the exact representation. He was God in the flesh. That is what makes us Christians. That's what makes us followers of Jesus. And that's actually why this church exists. Okay, we are not gathering here around JD's ideas. JD's got some great ideas, but this church is not built on JD's ideas or on Chris or on Moses' ideas. The church exists because of Jesus' words and ideas, amen? So, you know, a brief example of this and how profound, simple and profound this can, um, if, you, if you've got a Bible, flip to Luke 12. I'm just going to read a couple of little verses here. But, you know, time and time again, just as an example, Jesus on the earth in red letters, if you circle it in your Bible, you'd end up with a, a pretty messy, you know, New Testament. But he, time and time again... He says, I tell you, my friends, in Luke 12, 4, do not fear. In Luke 12, same chapter, uh, verse, let's start in 29. He says, do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink. Do not be worried. All the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And here it is again. Fear not. Let's see if I can get verse 32 up there. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So very simple example where Jesus, time and time again, is saying, fear not. 
And so again, you're in the air traffic control room of your mind, and how many of you have had to struggle against thoughts of fear or anxiety in 2020 or 2021? Can we just take a moment and get a show of hands if you have had some type of encounter with fear in the last year since March of 2020? Everybody in this room probably should have our hand up, right? And so we're, as these thoughts are coming at us and we're sitting in the air traffic control room of our minds, we say, that doesn't sound like Jesus. And so I'm not going to let it land here. This is the simple process of renewing our mind. Anxious thoughts come at you. That doesn't sound like Jesus. And so I'm not going to let it land here. And the cool thing is, is that this is just one, this is a couple of verses. I mean, in the red letters, Jesus talks about lust and sexuality. He talks about, uh, sorry, I missed a syllable there. He talks about uh, hatred and retaliation. He talks about money, saving, spending, generosity. And yes, he talks about heaven and hell and the end of all things. There's a lot of red letters. God has spoken. Let's get familiar with his voice. But this passage, and where I really want to camp for the rest of our time here, pulls us into this beautiful reality. If you, if you caught it, he said, your father knows what you need. Seek your father's kingdom. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The second thing that he sounds like is he sounds like a good father. He sounds like a good father. And so I want to take a couple of moments here to um, really show us that there, biblically, there are two different fathers that are trying to parent us. There is the good father and what he sounds like. And then there's actually a counterfeit father that the scripture is very clear about. And his name's the father of lies. The father of lies is Satan. He is our enemy. He has a lot of names in scripture. The thief, the accuser, but he's the father of lies. And we talk about him just long enough so that we're aware of his schemes and so that we can overcome them. We don't fixate on it, but we're also not naive. So we are in the process every day in this battle for your mind, okay? You have two fathers, so to speak, a good father and a father of lies that are trying to parent you, so to speak. Are you with me? And it is critical that we have a clear filter of what the good father sounds like so that when the father of lies begins to input into our lives, which if you don't think he is, you are already naive and not seeing the war that we are in, okay? And so we have to be aware. And so I want to tell you three things that the father sounds like, and we're going to juxtapose it with the counterfeit father and what he sounds like because he's sneaky and it's just different enough for you to maybe not know that it's him, okay? He's not showing up with red horns and a pitchfork or else you'd be like, nah, I'm not going there, okay? He's sneaky. He actually, well, let's not go there right now, okay? So here we go. The good father, three things. Revelations 21, write this down, okay? Yes. Thank you, JD. Three things. He sounds like affirmation, exhortation, and conviction. He is a good father. We're going to unpack these briefly, and then I'm going to show you the, the counterpart for each one, okay? First of all, he, he sounds like affirmation. Now, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but 
I have five little kids, all right? My wife is sitting back there in the back row. She's a superhero because my oldest kid is seven, okay? So that means we pretty much run a daycare. And so we live my whole life right now. Our whole life right now is a lens into fatherhood, motherhood, and this father heart of God. Okay, and we are trying to figure this out, but the cool thing is, is that if we can figure out what he sounds like, then we can know as fathers and mothers what we're supposed to sound like, all right? And so there's a secondary message underneath this message, which is parents, be convicted if this isn't what you sound like, because this is the standard, all right? But the good father is always speaking a voice of affirmation. You guys know when Jesus came up out of the water from his baptism, right? And there's this actual booming voice from heaven at that point, and God said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. It was a voice of affirmation over his son. Now, the gospel that we believe is very simply this, that if you have received Jesus and placed your faith in him, the Bible says that that has given you the right to become a child of God. I know we like to think that we're all children of God, But can I just be real for a second? That's actually not how the Bible categorizes us. The Bible only has two categories for what kind of children we are, okay? And I bring this in love. I do not bring this in in, uh, some type of brimstone, fire, this or that. I bring this in love. The Bible has two categories for what kind of children we are. We are either in Jesus Our lives are hidden in Christ, and we have been adopted as beloved children of God. Or Ephesians 2 says, if we're still following the course of this world, if if our allegiance is still to the enemy, the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience, he says, then that makes us a different kind of child. It says it. Go look it up. Ephesians 2, 3. It makes us a child of wrath. All of us started there. Can I get an amen? That was your starting point, was a child of wrath. If we can get this, our appreciation for what Jesus did on the cross will skyrocket. Our praise will skyrocket. Our worship services will be off the hook if we don't forget that my starting point, they are already pretty great, Moses, but my starting point was child of wrath. That's the biblical category. But when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, the only name under heaven by which men are saved from their sins, Bible says that his righteousness covers you like a robe and and you become hidden in Christ. And so the only option for you this morning, if your faith is in Jesus, the only posture of his heart towards you is you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. I am pleased in you. And as a father to five little kids, I can tell you that the the active living posture of my heart, 98% of the time towards my children is affection, identity, Affirmation is this, when we place healthy, God places healthy identity on his children by focusing on our strength and our beauty. He speaks health. This is what good fathers and mothers do. Okay, but look, there's a counterfeit father, the father of lies, and he doesn't want to bring affirmation into your life. He's trying to get some other things to land on your runway. Where God wants to bring affirmation, the father of lies brings accusation. Accusation is when 
The father of lies places unhealthy heaviness on a child of God by focusing on your weakness and failure. Look, my kids, I am aware that they all need to grow. I mean, there's a lot of maturity yet to be had in my household, okay? I am aware of every single one of my five kids and all of their weaknesses currently, but I promise you, the heart of a good father is not fixated on the weaknesses, and I'm certainly not speaking that over them as their identity. I remember as we were first raising kids, you guys have heard this before, right? But we've got this thing that we say over two-year-olds because they're struggling toddlers who kind of just rage through most of life, right? You've heard this before. We'll say, well, it's just the terrible twos, right? I, had to, I heard that so much, and I was like, man, I just, that, again, control tower. I'm like, that just doesn't sound like my father. And so we made a decision early on, like, we're not going to say that in our house ever, okay? And we've had some raging two-year-olds. We've had four of them now, okay? Four two-year-olds. We don't say that. That's just a conviction because it doesn't sound like my father. And so we, we call them mighty men of God, you know, while they're raging. You know, we speak, a, we're placing a healthy identity on them, right? We don't want to come in line with an accusation, and, and, and it's a struggle, man. Parents, you know that's a struggle because you know the kid's weakness for sure. But the good father places healthy identity on us. Secondly, the good father, um, it, he speaks through exhortation, right? Exhortation is strongly urging us to stand firm. It's encouragement. It's God encouraging us to stand firm and do the right thing, okay? Well, the enemy's counterfeit to that is temptation, are you seeing the tension there? See, exhortation is this encouragement to stand firm in what is right and true. Temptation, the enemy entices us away into something that is false, okay? Because God knows that if we will stand firm, even when it's hard, on what is right and on what is righteous, it will lay the foundation for the kingdom of God in our lives, which Romans says is righteousness, peace, and joy. You guys know that that's the kingdom of God? Say it with me if you know it. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit. I believe righteousness is the bedrock of that. You're, there will not be a whole lot of peace in our lives if we are not establishing our lives on the righteousness of God. There won't be a whole lot of peace. Have you ever tried to just ignore the sin in your life and keep it over here, but still kind of maybe walk with God and try to find peace with God? How'd that work out? It doesn't work really well, right? Because peace is built on righteousness. And then peace becomes the foundation for joy, right? It's super hard to be joyful when your peace is robbed, right? And so God is exhorting us, right? He's never going to be the one tempting you to compromise, church. If there is a, if there is a thought that is radioing into your control tower and it is enticing you to abandon some righteous standard and compromise in some area of your life, it is not the good father. And I promise you that enticing voice of temptation is not your friend. He is not trying to lead you to a good time. He is trying to lead you into destruction. We'll see that here a little bit more in a bit. And then this third piece, the good father, he comes with conviction. This is an aspect of God's voice. If you noticed earlier, I said 98% of the time, my voice over my children is healthy affirmation and encouragement and exhortation, right? But we're all on a journey, amen? And so my kids miss it. 
I miss it, you miss it. And the nature of a good father is that when we miss it, he comes to us in conviction. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit, he was given to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. But his conviction comes at our specific area of compromise. That's different than what the enemy wants to do. His counterfeit is to bring condemnation. You see, conviction says, hey, what you did, that was wrong. That was compromise. That was sin. And it is part of God's good heart in love. Hebrews says, we're going to look at this, uh, this verse in just a second. It is part of his loving heart to you because you are a beloved son in Christ. You are a daughter. It is part of your sonship that he comes to you in correction and conviction. But he says, that thing you did, that was off, man. My son, that was wrong. And he leads us in his kindness first to repentance. His kindness invites us to repentance, okay? If we ignore his kind invitation to repentance, this is our parenting strategy with our five kids. This is where we're at. We come to our kids in the love of a father, in kindness, and we say, buddy, my seven-year-old, I'm like, son, that thing that you just, just did when you raged on your sister and threw that thing at her face, true story, daily, not him, all of them, that thing you did, that was wrong. This is my kindness inviting you to repent. And many times my kids will respond to my kindness and they will take responsibility with the voice of conviction and they will say, wow, dad, you're right. That was wrong. I'm so sorry. They'll go repent to their sister. They'll repent to me and boom. But there are times where they will not respond to my kindness. And that's when we end upstairs in their room with discipline and uh, in where my kids are in their stage of life right now, that is a little spanking, okay? And it is in love and it is in clarity and it is this thing and, it, and this is my discipline helping turn your heart to repentance where you wouldn't respond to my kindness, okay? But let's get Hebrews 12 up here. But the, the point of the matter is we're convicting and correcting something very specific. That was wrong, the father of lies, the voice of condemnation says, you are wrong. Yes. Subtle difference, major ramifications. Because condemnation will put on you a false, heavy, uh, condemnation ultimately leads to a place of self-hatred and depression. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. If you are carrying around depression like a garment, like a heaviness, it is probably rooted in some degree of self-hatred that is probably rooted in some degree of condemnation over something in your life that is off or was wrong. But instead of allowing the good father to convict you and to repent and receive his grace and move on, you have taken on a false heaviness, which is I am wrong. Not the thing that I did was wrong. I am wrong. I am a piece of garbage. I am a failure. I can't figure it out. I this or I. It becomes a false identity to what God speaks over you as a son or a daughter. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? Okay, you're in, you are the air traffic controller. 
Guys, this is the battle for the renewal of your mind, okay? You've got the good father that is trying to parent you into the image of Jesus, okay? And he loves you, and he's good, and his voice sounds like Jesus, his voice sounds like a good father, and his voice sounds like the truth and love. That is what he is bringing. It is his love to come, as we see here in Hebrews 12. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't be weary when he convicts and reproves you, for he disciplines the one that he loves, and he chastises every son. It's actually proof. If God is convicting you for something in your life, it is actually proof that you're his son or his daughter. If you're just wandering around in all kinds of sin and brokenness and rebellion and having no problem with it at all and having no conviction in your life whatsoever, it probably means that if we're talking about these two categories of child of God and child of wrath, you're probably still in the child of wrath category. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm just putting that out there in love. And so the invitation for you today is to receive Jesus, call on the name of the Lord and be saved, be washed and cleansed by the blood he spilled on the cross. It's a free gift. He loves you and he's calling you into his family. But children of God, children of God, let's get clear on who the true father is. And lastly, I want to, as we close, we're just going to make a little bit of space. In 1 Kings 19, there's this beautiful um, story where Elijah comes to this cave. He's, he's actually seeking the Lord. Actually, he's running scared for his life, which, was, which is actually very interesting to me because right before this story, is the miracle where God consumes the altar with fire and all the false prophets get killed, that whole crazy story. Like, he just watched fire rain from heaven and consume this altar, and in the next chapter, uh, he's, like, running scared for his life because Jezebel, like, wants to kill him. And that never made sense to me. So he's actually hiding. He's needing God to speak to him, and he's in this cave. And he came to a cave, and he, he lodged in the cave, and behold, the word of the Lord said... To him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets, and I'm the only one left. They seek my life. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it into pieces, the rocks before the Lord, this commotion of this great wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake shaking the ground, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Hold on, back one verse, sorry. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he cloaked his face. He walked out, stood at the entrance of the cave. And God's voice spoke to him in the silence. And so this morning, I want you to know that God is speaking. His words bring life. You can hear him. And you're the air traffic controller of what you allow to land in your heart and what you say no. And so we're gonna just take the next one minute, 90 seconds before we close in worship. Maybe we can pull the lights down a little bit out there. And 
we're going to just make room for the small sound of God's voice. For some of you guys, this is totally normal. You've done this before. Some of you guys are like, I had no idea. I thought we just read the Bible, you know, and that's the deal. But we're just going to take a minute. And I'm going to put a question up here on the screen for you to just ask. I want you to ask your father, what do you think of me? Remember, he wants to release affirmation, identity. I want you to ask him, what do you think of me? Or you can say, God, who do you say that I am? Again, it's probably not going to be an audible voice. If you get an audible voice, praise God, come tell JD, you know. But if, it's probably going to be a still, low whisper that just maybe sounds like the Holy Spirit inside of you. So, Father, we make room for you to speak.